happiness, well-being, peace, sanity. This is Chasing Health. Welcome to Chasing Health 101, a podcast series based on health matters that people of different age, gender, and ethnicity experience. My name is Lonama Chunduta a second-year journalism and media studies student at Rhodes University. In Chasing Health, we learn about different students' experiences when it comes to matters of health. This could be internal matters or external matters that affect one's well-being. Many conversations about health commonly focus on mental health issues. In today's episode, we observe health in all aspects, starting with how most of us perceive health, Lisa Kanya Boy, a JMS2 storyteller, went to the campus grounds asking people what they immediately think of when they hear the word health. Choose health over hazards. Health is the absence of disease in a human body, and by disease, I mean uh, the absence of mental disease, physical disease, and yeah. Health, to me, is the state of being of the person physically, mentally, and emotionally, and how the person can use safety precautions um, to help them not to get any illnesses or diseases. Health, for me, is a state of well-being, um, a state of complete physical, or social, mental well-being, and absence of um, illness. From my understanding, I think it's when, like, uh, let's say, you're not sick, like you don't have any diseases, like. Okay, health, in my understanding, is the ability for someone to perform at their best self, um, emotionally, physically, mentally, um, it is a state of being whereby you can perform your daily task with ease and great time management without burnout, without fatigue, in a sense. Okay, so health to me means being at your optimum, basically having, you know, no injuries or nothing wrong with you. Health, you're healthy. You know, everything is okay and all aspects of your life are being catered towards, whether that's physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things. That's what good health or health to me means, is a good balance between all of those things. These are the thoughts that most students share and understand about being healthy. And they do make sense given that we all want to feel good. From the Rhodes University Counseling Center is intern psychologist Siputo Lobigwe. In a visual interview, she shares how students should maintain their mental well-being and also suggests some coping mechanisms which one can apply. We often cannot help our loved ones and they suffer as we cannot identify people with mental health illnesses. Those mental health issues come from feeling burnt out and stagnant in life if one doesn't achieve their goals in time. 
I think first what's important for us to, you know, talk about is mental health literacy in itself. It's important that we use the right type of language when you speak about mental health. And when you speak about mental health issues or distress, it's important that we know that it's normal. It's a normal expected reaction to the challenges and stresses of everyday life. You know, for example, being stressed about an upcoming exam, that could be something that's normal to be stressed about. So it's normal distress. And we have what we call mental health problems. You know, these are reactions to huge life challenges. And then you get what we call mental health disorders. And these have to be clinically diagnosed by a practitioner, right? But some of the signs that we may look out for include enduring sadness or irritability. You know, maybe someone starts withdrawing, you know, they isolate themselves. They no longer connect with others. And then lastly, what we may think about is changes in our eating and our sleeping habits as well. It is quite common for students to experience burnout, and that's because students spend most of their time studying, stressing, and sometimes the stress can be excessive, which ultimately leads to exhaustion. So some of the signs of burnout that you may see may be physical, emotional, and sometimes behavioral. So physical being symptoms like such as feeling tired, feeling drained, changes in our sleep and appetite, muscle or bodily pain and then some emotional ones include you know doubting ourselves feeling helpless and lack of motivation feeling like you're not you know accomplishing as much as you should and feeling defeated as well and behaviorally we see people you know withdrawing from responsibilities isolating themselves and the most important one which is procrastination and what can we do in these times it's important that we create healthy habits for ourselves, that is taking care of our eating, making sure we're sleeping enough, taking breaks from, you know, social media, taking breaks from, from studying, and, you know, making time for other enjoyable activities other than just school, and most importantly, creating reasonable goals, because sometimes it can be so overwhelming when we set goals and we feel like we're unable to reach those goals because they aren't reasonable, they aren't, you know, reachable. I think with social anxiety, it's important that we distinguish between what is called social anxiety, which is something that would need to be you know, diagnosed by a clinician because there are criteria that one would need to meet to be diagnosed with that. And, you know, the struggling to strike up a conversation with others in, you know, crowded and public spaces. And if you think about it, we've been living through COVID times. So a lot of maybe the first, second, third years even had spent a lot of time with either a small group of people that we're familiar with you know, and the idea of being around others has been at some point, you know, quite dangerous. It's important to start small, striking up a conversation in class, maybe with a classmate, just starting small, starting there. It is important to remain stable so that one can face everyday challenges better when in a good state of mind. At the counseling center, we always speak about what we call the wellness model, which speaks to our social, mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being. So what we always say to clients and students is that check in with yourself. 
in all those different domains and where you know you see there's a deficit or something is lacking in that particular domain you take up activities to try and bring a sense of you know balance to your overall well-being choose health over hazards We often don't recognize certain habits as health issues because they look normal. It takes one to talk about them in order to realize that they are a problem. Anoka Lachmiya, another JMS2 storyteller, pursued the issue of eating disorders, focusing mainly on the topic of not eating. These students share their different experiences with food, and their responses demonstrate the diaspora within young South Africans and their eating patterns. According to the World Health Organization, an eating disorder is a serious mental illness characterized by eating, exercise, and body weight becoming an unhealthy preoccupation of someone's life. Eating disorders are serious mental and physical illnesses that involve complex and damaging relationships with food, eating, exercise, and body image. These disorders impact approximately 20 million women and 10 million men in South Africa and are found in all populations, regardless of age, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, religion, sex, and gender. As the prevalence in eating disorders is omnipresent amongst different age groups, for example, young adults, people in universities, we have decided to interview some of our friends to specify it to a South African context. Refugium Zoto, a third-year student who currently lives in a residence, is the first of our interview subjects. I, I don't really have a set diet for what I eat on a specific day or on a daily basis. I actually eat what I can and what is there, or what I can afford, if you put it like that. Um, sometimes I eat at the DH, where there is a planned meal. Um, that we eat on a daily basis or on a separate day. Um, or when I don't go to the DH, I buy, what do I usually buy? I buy pizzas. What do I eat? Takeaways, which is actually not a really healthy food option. But it's better than not eating at all, right? The signs with which to look out for in eating disorders are skipping meals or eating small portions at regular meals academic stress, extreme mood swings, and refusal to eat certain foods. Our second interviewee, Refilium CB, demonstrates some of these signs. Okay, so it depends on the day and my mood. So most of the time, I don't eat more than two meals a day, or I'll have like one meal. Like today, I haven't had my first meal of the day, so I'll have one at like 2 p.m. and then have another one probably at like 8 p.m. <laughs> I have a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, so when I eat, I feel heavy. So then I try my best not to eat as much. When I'm stressed, I eat less or I overeat. So I either eat too much or too little food. And during, I see that during the exam season where I don't eat as much or I'll go through a period where I'm just eating too much food or like when I'm feeling down, I won't eat at all. Whether you currently suffer from eating disorder or are hoping to sidestep this condition, there are tips to overcome the disorder for better health. Simao, who is a second-year student at CPUT, who lives in Cape Town, shares a balanced lifestyle tips to maintain her health. 
um my food intake is very healthy because in the morning i would have a smoothie or make myself a muesli then in the afternoon i would just eat uh, snacks or fruit then later on around seven to eight o'clock as a dinner i will have a rice with meat or sausage or pasta with means or build child anything but a small portion i'm a working out person so i'm really avoiding to eat a lot of fats sweets and all that because i drink a lot of water i don't drink fizzy drinks juice i only have water with lemon or hot water hot water with um aloe aloe vera when i'm stressed like academic stress or personal issues or whatsoever the only thing i do i would go for a run or go to the gym because uh, that's the only thing that is a solution for me it's very therapeutic being bullied at school is something many can say they have gone through But how many can say that being bullied has made them discover things about themselves that they actually like? Luanda Dube, a second-year student at Rose University, tells us about how his family and peers at school made him feel uncomfortable about the way he looks. But today he appreciates and loves himself just the way he is. Hi, uh, my name is Luanda Dube. I am a second-year BA student at Rhodes University and I'm majoring in journalism and drama. Okay, so firstly, when I think about the phrase body positivity, I define it as being comfortable in your own body and skin. So basically it's like embracing every little feature that your body comes with and being confident in your body and you know most importantly loving who you are. So back in primary school I was bullied for how my body looks and the features that it came with but I grew from that because I learned to accept myself and love myself the way I am because I don't have another body besides the one that I have right now. Um so with that being said I believe that I've experienced the body positivity in a sense that I grew from not liking what I was and not liking my body to loving myself. Um Because of the bullying that I've experienced in the past, um I've had negative body images of myself. So I started like believing the negative comments that I would hear, you know, and therefore when I'd look at myself, you know, I would see what my peers saw, you know, the bullies and stuff. So as a result, I did not so as a result, I do not have many pictures of myself when I was young. Um so the negative comments that one would hear about one's body can lead to insecurities and uh lead to a person having a low self-esteem. <clears throat> so the remarks that we receive from our family members about weight gain or weight loss also have an effect on some people and I am one of those people who are affected uh, about what was said about my weight. I found that the way in which my teeth were shaped was the hardest thing for me to accept about, you know, myself and my body. So, I mean, I had a gap in my tooth uh, that I have and my teeth not being straight was also tricky for me to understand and accept considering that 
uh, when I was growing up, say around the ages of five, five to six, I had straight teeth. Um, my biggest influence on body image has to be choosing to love myself and accepting all of my features. I realized this when I stopped caring about what people would say about me and I grew confident within my body. So opinions about what people have to say about my body no longer bothers me and I would advise anyone to, uh, that gets affected by other people's comments based on their bodies to not let that affect them. Instead, they should just learn to love themselves and accept themselves just the way they are. Choose health over hazards. That brings us to the end of this episode. We've heard from a professional practitioner and students who have shared their stories on the journey of mental, physical and emotional health. Thank you to our storytellers for producing these wonderful stories. And thank you to our sound engineers, Kama, Wanga, and Andile. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. So join us again next week on Chasing Health 101. Happiness, well-being, peace, sanity. This is Chasing Health.